0: Good morning. I'm Meg from Jensen Beach, Florida, my home group. I have a study group in Port St. Lucie called the Basic 36. And I have another group on Skyline Drive called Skyline Seekers in Jensen Beach. I'm very glad to be here. What a, thank you. What a beautiful, wonderful room full of miracles we are. And we started out with steps. And of course, I'm on the traditions. <laughs> because of their proven power and worth, AA's 12 steps have been adopted almost word for word by Alamon. They represent a way of life appealing to all people of good will, of any religious faith or of none. Note the power of the very words. <clears throat> Excuse me. Step one: we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Step four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening, As the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you.
1: Next, we have Philip from Germany who will read the Twelve Traditions in German.
2: Good morning. My name is Philipp. I come von Germany, Frankfurt. Die zwölf Traditionen in Germany. 1. Unser gemeinsames Wohlergehen sollte an erster Stelle stehen. Persönlicher Fortschritt für möglichst viele hängt vom Einigsein ab. Zwei. Für das Anliegen unserer Gruppe gibt es nur eine Autorität. Einen liebenden Gott, wie er sich im Gemeinwissen der Gruppe zu erkennen geben mag. Unsere Sprecher und Sachbearbeiter sind dienende Vertrauensleute. Sie bestimmen nicht. Drei. Wenn sich Verwandte von Alkoholikern zu gegenseitiger Hilfe versammeln, können sie sich alle non-Familiengruppen nennen. Vorausgesetzt, dass sie als Gruppe keine andere Bindung haben, die, eine, die einzige Voraussetzung für die Zusammengehörigkeit ist bei einem Verwandten oder Freund ein Alkoholismusproblem. 4. Jede Gruppe sollte selbstständig sein, außer in Dingen, die eine andere Gruppe Alanon oder AA als Ganzes berühren. 5. Jede Alanon-Familiengruppe hat nur eine Aufgabe: den Familien von Alkoholikern zu helfen. Wir tun dies dadurch, dass wir selbst die zwölf Schritte der AA praktizieren, dadurch, dass wir unsere alkoholkranken Angehörigen ermutigen und verstehen und dadurch, dass uns Familienmitglieder von Alkoholikern willkommen sind und wir sie trösten. 6. Unsere Familiengruppen sollten niemals irgendein außenstehendes Unternehmen unterstützen, finanzieren oder mit unserem Namen decken, damit uns nicht Geld, Eigentum oder Prestigeprobleme von unserem eigentlichen geistigen Ziel ablenken. Obwohl wir eine eigenständige Gemeinschaft sind, sollten wir doch immer mit den anonymen Alkoholikern zusammenarbeiten. 7. Jede Gruppe sollte sich selbst erhalten und von außen kommende Zuwendungen ablehnen. 8. alanon arbeit im zwölften Schritt sollte für immer außerberuflich bleiben. Unsere Dienstzentren dürfen jedoch Fachkräfte anstellen. 9. Unsere Gruppen als solche sollten niemals organisiert werden, Aber wir dürfen Dienstgremien oder Komitees bilden, die diejenigen direkt verantwortlich sind, dienen. Zehn. Die Alanon-Familiengruppen nehmen zu Fragen außerhalb ihrer Gemeinschaft nicht Stellung. Folglich sollte unser Name nie in öffentlichen Auseinandersetzungen hineingezogen werden. Elf. Unser Vorgehen in der Öffentlichkeitsarbeit stürzt sich mehr auf Anziehung als auf Werbung. Wir haben stets persönliche Anonymität für Presse, Rundfunk, Film und Fernsehen zu bewahren. Wir müssen unsere ganze, mit besonderer Sorgfalt die Anonymität aller Alkoholiker schützen. Zwölf. Anonymität ist die geistige Grundlage aller unserer Traditionen, die uns immer daran erinnern soll, Prinzipien über Persönlichkeiten zu stellen. Danke.
1: Next, we have Carolyn A. from Hawaii to read the concepts.
3: Aloha. Aloha. My name is Carolyn Alexander, and I'm from Waipahu, Hawaii. And I'm a member of the Worldwide Fellowship of the Alanon Family Groups. My home group is the Heart to Heart al Family Group, and we meet on Saturday nights in Aiea, Hawaii, which is on Oahu. And if you're ever in town, we're the only Saturday night meeting on the island, so come and visit us. The 12 Concepts of Service. Number one, the ultimate responsibility and authority for Al Anon World Services belongs to the Al Anon family groups. Concept two, the Al Anon family groups have delegated complete administrative and operational authority to their conference and its service arms. Concept three, the right of decision makes effective leadership possible. Concept four, participation is the key to harmony. Concept 5. The right of appeal and petition protect minorities and assure that they be heard. Concept 6. The conference acknowledges the primary administrative responsibility of the trustees. Concept 7. The trustees have legal rights while the rights of the conference are traditional. Concept 8. The Board of Trustees delegates full authority for routine management of the Al-Anon headquarters to its executive committee. Concept nine, good personal leadership at all service levels is a necessity. In the field of world service, the Board of Trustees assumes the primary leadership. Concept 10, service responsibility is balanced by carefully defined service authority and double-headed management is avoided. Concept 11, the World Service Office is composed of standing committees, executives, and staff members. Concept 12, the spiritual foundation for al World Services is contained in the general warranties of the conference, Article 12 of the chapter. The general warranties. In all its proceedings, the World Service Conference of al shall observe the spirit of the traditions. Warranty 1. That only sufficient operating funds, including an ample reserve, be its prudent financial principle. Warranty two, that no conference member shall be placed in unqualified authority over other members. Warranty three, that all decisions be, re- be reached by discussion, vote, and whenever possible, by unanimity. Warranty four, that no conference action ever be personally punitive or an incitement to public controversy. Warranty 5. That though the conference serves Al-Anon, it shall never perform any act of government, and that, like the fellowship of al family groups which it serves, it shall always remain democratic in thought and action. Thank you.
1: the anonymity statement, there may be some who are not familiar with our traditions of personal anonymity at the public level. If so, we respectfully ask that no Al-Anon, Alateen, or AA speaker or member be identified by full name or picture in published or broadcast report of our meeting. The assurance of anonymity is essential to our efforts to help our families and friends of alcoholics. And our tradition of anonymity reminds us that Al-Anon and Alateen principles come before personalities. It's so wonderful to see you here. Thank you all for coming. We wouldn't have this if it were not for you. Uh, And there are a total of 4,552 of us our total registration. My heart is very full for your participation and your love. I have seen it all weekend. Uh, It will be something I carry with me forever. Uh, I do have a couple of announcements. There seem there are some lost books. Uh, People are concerned that they have passed their books around and they are not getting them back. If you uh, have one that you know belongs to someone else or yours, you don't have yours back, would you bring come to the podium after and bring them up here? Maybe you all can get the books back to their members. Uh, also, there were some glasses left on the podium last night. They'll be up here. Please come forward and, and get them if they're yours. Uh, this is our Having Had a Spiritual Awakening meeting. Um uh, I read in our 12 and 12 that spiritual awakening in step 12 comes the combination of the spiritual nature of our shared experience uh, and how many opportunities we've had this weekend for shared experience. Uh, all day, all night, some of my recent friends, uh, recently made friends, I've met this morning. They've been at meetings all night. Starting with our parade, Friday night, when we all met together. How magnificent. Did y'all like that? I think you did. The workshops were overflowing. The ones I, you know, checked on or were in. The groups of people sitting around, the one-on-one, all the speakers, the signing of the books. So many opportunities for this shared experience. Never-to-be-forgotten experience. Um. I'll, uh, Lois is with us in our convention because she's in the book plate and other quotes, but I'd like to read now from her words from the book plate about spiritual awakenings and spirituality. Spirituality is the whole of Alanon. It is overwhelming, overpowering to see thousands upon thousands of Alanons gathered together at a convention. All with the same motivation. There isn't any al without spirituality. Carrying the message is done best by example. There's nothing, nothing that works as well. So, our speakers this morning will carry the message by example for us. And we will begin by hearing from Mary Ruth from the United States.
4: Hi, everybody. My name is Mary Ruth Rooker, and I'm from Morristown, Tennessee. Love you back. I am uh, a grateful member of the Worldwide Fellowship of Al-Anon, and my home group is the Free to Be Me group in Morristown, Tennessee, and it's the best group in the whole state. And if you don't think that your group is the best group, then I suggest you start you one that and make it your best group. So um uh, but anyway, uh I want to qualify myself. I am the step granddaughter of, the ex-wife of, the wife of, the mother of, the stepmother of all of those people who some are practicing and some aren't. Uh but uh that's how I got here, as a result of, uh, all of these, all of these people in my life. Uh, my stepfather, my step-grandfather, uh, affected my, my life through my stepmother. And I didn't know that he drank, I didn't know anything about alcoholism, so, uh, I, uh, I didn't even know what was going on. I mean, I would see people, and I thought they were the Skid Row bums. I didn't think, uh, we had any of those in our family, so I didn't really, uh, I didn't know about alcoholism, but uh, God knew that I was supposed to find out about alcoholism, and he gave me alcoholic number one. And boy, did I ever find out about alcoholism with alcoholic number one. And I always thought that uh, if I gave him a good home, he was in the military, so we traveled a lot. And I always thought if I gave him a good home, then uh, he wouldn't drink, and uh, that was not the way it was to be. And I, I look over those years and you know uh today the the wonderful things that I see out of that marriage was my three children the wet the rest was uh like living in a in 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 a whirlwind or a tornado or it was just a it was just a bad time and uh, as all of us know how what it's all about but uh I left that well I didn't leave that marriage he left us uh, because he fell in lust with this other woman and Decided he didn't want us after 12 years of marriage, so uh, he left us. And I said, like everybody else, like several people in this room, that I would not marry another alcoholic. Because, uh, but you have to understand, I love those alcoholics. I really do, because I migrate to them. I go straight to them. And, you know, you put a well person in the room, and I get the sick one every time. Because that's just me. But uh, in in the first alcoholic marriage, uh, like I say, we had three children and and we did all the crazies and, and we I got out of that marriage and and went to the second marriage and I must share this about the alcoholic in my life. He is good six feet tall, six two, and he weighs a good two hundred and ten pounds and I share that so when I tell you a part of my story, you'll understand uh just how crazy I was. Uh, anyway, uh, I met this guy, and we dated for a year, and then we were married for six years. And he tells in his story, and I have to share that because it's part of my story, that he stiffed on it, and he, and he got drunk after seven years. Well, people, I want to tell you, I was a crazy lady. Uh, all during those years, we would have these, these arguments. Uh, I would see a blue car, and I would say it was blue. Or he would see a black car, and I would say it was blue. And we'd do this all the way. It was a green car. No, it was a green car. No, it was a blue car. No, it was a purple car. And we did these kind of crazy things. We had these crazy kind of arguments. And I just kept getting sicker, and I didn't know what was wrong with me. Well, when the bottom fell out, I got real sick. Uh, A friend of mine said she gave uh, her spouse a hot foot. Well, I beat mine up. He, He laid down on the in the dirty clothes, and I beat him up. Just literally beat him up. And that's why I told you how big he was. So I couldn't, you know, I could not do these things, uh, to him when he, even though he was not a, a, a violent person when he was drinking. Now the first alcoholic in my life was very violent, but this one was very passive. So I just beat him up and the next morning he got up and he'd say, uh, oh, I'm so sore. What happened? I said, you fell down. So, you know, and the first time he heard me tell my story, I had to get from, I had to be honest had to admit to him that I beat him up, you know, but uh, that's how sick I was. I mean, I was really, really sick. I was so sick and so afraid of everything because I grew up where, uh, in our family, if you made two A's and a B, the B, that's all we focused on was the B. And I, I know today, and I didn't know this when I married the first alcoholic, I left it. Left my mother because my stepmother because our life was just so dis. Today I know it was dysfunctional. Then I didn't know it was dysfunctional, but I I run away basically more or less run away from home just to get away from her, and boy did I get, go right into the fire. Got a got a sweet old boy, but um, as a result of all of this, uh and I don't like to dwell on all the the things that happened in the past. I like to talk about how my life became better and how I had a spiritual awakening. You know, I came to you guys, and uh, it wasn't as many of you as it is today, but uh, but it was a nice big room, and uh, I was the only one there uh, that looked like me. Uh, I was. And I must tell you, I didn't think I belonged with you guys. I really didn't think I belonged with you guys, but you know what you did for me? You said, I love you. Keep coming back. It works. Well, you know, I thought the keep coming back, he was going to give me a recipe. And the recipe was going to stop him from drinking. And I always like to share this part because, you know, if it hadn't been for an AA member, I'd have never found Al-Anon. Because I, w- I took the alcoholic, physically took him up some steps to a room, and they said, I don't know if it's going to work for him, but uh, there's a program for you, and it's called Al-Anon. And so I came to you guys and I didn't know about the meeting before the meeting, during the meeting or after the meeting. So I didn't get there to two minutes before the meeting started and it was, it was in October and it was cold and I made that poor Alamon stand outside. But, uh, you know, you kept telling me to keep coming back. You kept telling me it's going to get better. It's okay. I love you. And you people loved me when I couldn't love myself. I didn't know how to love myself. And you know, you gave me the tools. That helped me to love me. And when I was able to love me, I was in turn able to love you. You know, I had two wonderful sponsors and they gave me, uh, and one of them is in the Big Alamon meeting in the sky and, uh, but she was there and she nurtured me. She loved me and she said, you know, work these steps. They'll work. You know, when I, and I didn't understand the serenity prayer. You know, I couldn't I couldn't say, God grant me the serenity. For a long time, all I could say was, God, you know, God, do something. I don't know what it is you got to do, but do something. Because my concept of God was not the concept of God I have today. Because losing my parents at an early age, I thought God was getting me. For everything that I had done wrong, I didn't have any idea what I'd done wrong, but I'd done wrong. And he put me in this, in all these situations and he was there zapping me. And after I got here, I, I come to understand that this is the God of my understanding. It's a personal relationship with him. It's a personal walk with him. It, it doesn't have anything to do with your concept of your God. It's my God and he's in here. And, you know, I don't have any problem seeing God because he's mine and I can talk to him just like I can talk to you and, and, I always say that I have to go into the bathroom to to get in contact with my God. Well, before I came out here, I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I said, God, whatever you want me to do and whatever you want me to say, say it. Because I don't have any idea what I'm supposed to tell these people, but you do. And that's what this relationship is all about. And that's what this al program is all about. You know, I've had a spiritual awakening. I had a spiritual awakening this week, this weekend, the first day of the International. I had a spiritual awakening. I shared heart to heart with a lady from Japan. She didn't understand a word I said, and I didn't understand a word she said. But, what I understood was, I said, give me a hug, and I did this, and she hugged me. And that's what this is all about. This is a wonderful fellowship. If there's anybody here that's new. And, he, and you don't know what it's all about, just keep coming back. It will get better for you. I promise you, if you're willing to work this program, and if you're willing to come with an open heart, and if you're willing to do, and willing to be, wherever it is somebody says, come go with me. I told a guy on the out, going to the, into the, the salt palace yesterday, he was, to, he said he was coming in there and I said come go with me I'll show you a way you can get there quicker don't have to use the steps so come go with me anytime anybody tells you come go with me get in the car it'll do you lots of good I promise you it will do you lots of good this fellowship has done me such wonderful service that I have to give it back time that I'm asked to give it back Uh when Marianne." call me and then when I got to speak speaker I said God you're playing a trick I'm not a spiritual speaker I'm just the person and I thought okay forget about yourself just go and do whatever it is God wants you to do and I always like to share something when I close before I close I want to thank you all for listening to me and I want to thank all the people that were here before me and I want to thank all the speakers, and I understand what the Alatine speaker meant about the lights, and about how scary it is up, he- up here, and, you know, but I know you love me, and I know you're my family. And I said this... <laughs> I said this week that I would meet sisters and brothers that I'd never met before. And I've met sisters and brothers... And I've also, uh, you know, I will take you with me wherever I go. Uh, it's just such a wonderful fellowship to know that we can all come together and we can all love each other. And you know, if the whole world was like us, there would be no, there would be no wars. There'd be only peace, you know. You know, because, y- You and I share from the heart. That's where we are. And I thank you all for for listening to me. And I want to close with this little thing. And it says, may you have. May you have enough happiness to keep you sweet. Enough trials to keep you strong. Enough sorrows to keep you human. Enough hope to keep you happy. Enough failures to keep you humble. Enough success to keep you eager. Enough friends to give you comfort. Enough wealth to meet your needs enough enthusiasm to look forward, enough faith to banish depression, enough determination to make every day better than yesterday. Thank you.
1: Next, we have Lincoln from the Netherlands.
5: This is not made for her. <laughs> okay, my name is Lincoln. I am a grateful member of the English-speaking Eleanor family group in The Hague, and the Dutch Eleanor family group in Gouda in Holland. I put this because um, then I have this feeling that my friends in Holland will be with me. My birthplace is in Washington, D.C. The year I was born is the same year in which the Alanor Family Group was founded in the year of 1951. If you wonder about my Asian features, it is because of my Indonesian genes with a tiny bit of Dutch, thanks to my um, great-grandmother from my mother's side who came from Friesland, the northwest part of Holland. Um, I made a I'm going to do something which I'm really afraid of now, but I decided that in bed when at five o'clock, tossing and turning. When that's uh, these are my notes, and I just tell um, them. <laughs> okay, um, all right. Just want to think and feel. Why? I think I'm God's miracle, standing in front of you and saying that I really love you. Because, because before I came to Elanor, I was suicidal, and um, everything what. You know, something overwhelmed me, I just tried to, you know, the only alternative was uh, I want uh, out of here, I I want to get out of here, I don't want to live anymore. And um, thanks um, to my involvement with a sober alcoholic, I found the help and the the way to Al-Anon. I came into Al-Anon 20 years ago. I was a baby and um, in my soul. <laughs> um, for the first two months I couldn't, I couldn't say anything because I was dead inside. You shouldn't touch me because I was um, the, uh, Bermuda Triang- a Bermuda triangle. And now one is dangling here uh, 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 down my chain here, the Alamon symbol. Um, you should not touch me because I thought you would uh, turn stone cold. Um, because I was so cold inside. And thanks to my Al-Anon sponsor, who, who came up to me and said, well, Lincoln, I know you're worried about whether you qualify for Al-Anon because you met your your partner sober. She gave me the telephone number of an Al-Anon friend of hers who, uh, um, who met her husband uh, sober. And they, she was told to go to 30 meetings before... Um, she made a decision whether Al-Anon was for her or not. And so I, I felt really relieved because 30 sounded much um, like eternity to me. <laughs> um, before I came down to, to this convention, um, I, I was in a very back black depression. Um, it was um, a- actually the so- same old depression as when I came into Al-Anon um i had um the first the last two years um, um i had um a terrible row with my husband um and it was so terrible that um my that our son christopher uh, was witnessed the whole thing and was awful what I said to my husband like uh, um i feel like a caged bird here um my, I feel spiritually drained because um, everything what, what I gained in Al-Anon, I, I lost because um, he thinks I, I, I should be a good mother. And um, actually I made up a joke at 5 o'clock, I t- thought about it. Maybe I, f- I feel proud about it in fact because uh, do you know why AA closed their eyes when um, their Al-Anon spouses get a telephone from another Al-Anon? Because they can't stand, they can't uh, when they see that their spouse enjoying themselves chatting on the phone. <laughs> because those, that was one of the things which helped me to to uh, to find a soul, and that is uh, opening up to uh, another Alanon friend. I was really compulsive when I started an Alanon. I, um, I, uh, they said, well, you should talk between meetings, and at that time there was only one meeting a, a, a week in Amsterdam, and I wrote down, let's say, five out of 20 uh, telephone numbers, and um, every time um, I had a problem, um, I would go up to a telephone booth and, and put a quarter and, and call somebody from al and it worked. I, knew, I know every telephone booth in Amsterdam now. LAUGHTER and at, at my work, um, if I, I would be angry or I would be, um, uh, I call it worried about something, I would just disappear because they said, um, take what you like and leave a rest. And I, and I would disappear and go to the telephone booth in the hall of the hospital to call my al sponsor. And they would call me, uh, I, I would say this in Dutch because it's really uh, nice to hear that. this, mean bell, uh, bell is telephone. And... Um, I didn't care because I said, well, if you want to fire me, I don't care. I, it, it takes what it takes. Um, and then um, I called myself an Alanon um, because uh, N-U-N, it's not N-O-N, N-U-N, because my partner then decided that he couldn't stand living with a, a very active Alanon member. And uh, I disappeared going to Alanon meetings. And when there were no meetings, I just started one with other, other friends. Um, So he couldn't stand it. I hope that uh, there are some AA members here actually, because uh, I would like, I'm here actually to tell them (laughs) that um, if you want to have a good spouse let let him or her go to an Al-Anon meeting because you will benefit from it. you know, it's, it's nice. I hope my husband hears this tape. I'm going to buy this. <laughs> because I, I would drop everything when the telephone would ring and it was one of my sp- sponsees. I would just drop it and uh, say, well, uh, I have no time. I have to talk to her. and. Um, In the middle of a row, or uh, uh, and then he would say, "You have no time for me." And uh, I said, uh, "Yeah, well, my first, my first um, aim in in life is to that, yeah, that my spiritual condition is is right." And um, you, as an alcoholic, should know that. I mean, uh, you never stopped for your first wife, uh, for your three children, and um, I I go to Al-Anon, yeah, to to feel happy inside and then I can put, uh, pass it on to you and Christopher and then he would say he's English bollocks <laughs> you you need this you need that well I hope he doesn't hear the tape actually you know? <laughs> <laughs> Just <talking about> <laughs> uh, I like hearing the concepts because I want to a concept meeting and I was uh, I really felt uh, like a little child when I when I f- went up to uh, one of the panel, a uh, few of the panel speakers because I really love the concepts I, I wish that people in the service work in Alana will hear me uh, talking on this tape because um, Boy, I mean I, I really have the chance to grow spiritually because uh, my pers- personality does clash with other personalities and, um, you know, we are, we, there is some, we, we gain something in Al-Anon. I mean, in my absence, they decided something which, uh, um, yeah, I'm sorry that it was in my absence. And I never, I can never say it was thanks to me, but thanks to my absence, they decided which, that, which uh, I really like. And um, but anyway, um, in the year 2001, I would like, I would love to bring more Al-Anons from Holland, and, um, you know, it's tiring to, to, uh, to be at a Dutch flag and carrying it when I, I don't like Dutch. And, uh, you know, uh, I hope that somebody else really uh, will, uh, f- from Holland will carry it. And I would like to end my uh, sharing with the one. Um, grant me today the simplicity of childhood, the enthusiasm of youth, and the wisdom of maturity and the gentleness of old age. Because, God, I don't want to be a sour old person. Thank you.
1: Next we have Roger from Canada.
6: Good morning everybody. My name is Roger Coles and my home group is the Sherwood Park Friday Night Group in Alberta, Canada. It's a great privilege to speak at this big meeting of Al-Anon's third international convention, but I'd like to make one thing clear before I tell my story. I'm not an expert on the Al-Anon program or on spirituality. I thought a little bit about why I'm standing here at the moment, and I came to the conclusion that the reason was because I was willing And I've come to realize that, in my case, willingness is not enough. I have to follow up willingness with an action. In this case, the action was fairly straightforward. I just had to fill out a form and uh, mail it to the World Service Office and hand it over to my higher power. Maybe I ticked the wrong box, I'm not sure. When I got the the letter inviting me to speak here, I was really excited. Then as time went on, I got a little bit concerned, so I started to think about what I was going to say. And A couple of weeks ago, my son was watching the uh, NBA Finals, and a visitor pointed out to us that our meetings were going to be held in uh, in this Delta Center. My son was really impressed. (laughs) My reaction was uh, a little different, but it was my higher power reminding me that I've got to do a little bit more action here. So I did some praying and a little bit more preparation, and uh, I guess I've done the footwork for this talk. I prepared the beginning and I think I know how I'm going to end and I'm just waiting to see what happens in the middle. (laughs) The one thing I'm sure about is that I'll give the talk that I'm supposed to and I just have one expectation of this talk and that is that I will learn whatever I'm supposed to learn as a result of this experience. As far as our topic for today, having had a spiritual awakening, my spiritual growth has been a series of very small steps. Most of them are so small that I'm not aware of them unless I look back and see where I've come from. I know that when Bill Wilson first wrote the 12 steps, he used the words having had a spiritual experience. And that was changed shortly afterwards because it was pointed out that the other members of AA at that time had not had the same spiritual experience that Bill had. I think in my particular case the word should be having embarked on a spiritual journey. I grew up in a very controlling home, and in case you're trying to figure out my neat Canadian accent, I was born on the bro- on the borders between England and South Wales, and grew up on a farm there. When when I hear people talking about what it's like to grow up in an al- alcoholic home, it sounds very like my home. But in my home there was not much alcohol there, but my th- My father certainly had all the characteristics of an alcoholic. He judged me, judged everyone around him, and I was frequently in trouble for not only with him but uh, with my mother as well because if, if I got my father upset everyone else suffered as well. Just a little story about my father to demonstrate the sort of things that went on there. Um, My father had a thing about colds, and if I went out without a jacket on, he would say that I should wear a jacket, and sometimes I'd defy him and not wear a jacket. And if I as much as sneezed during the next six weeks, he would point out how I'd caught that cold. The really strange thing was that when my father had a cold, it was always because I'd given it to him. At that time, my spiritual influence, or my religious influence, I should say, was my grandmother. And all I recall her saying about God was that God knew everything I was doing, and He was going to get me for everything I did wrong. So I grew up with a judging and punishing God, and looking back I can see that My main motivator at that time was fear. I was certainly afraid of my father. I was afraid of my teachers at school, and I was afraid of my God. My father used to say that children should be seen and not heard. When my father died in 1981, he still treated me like a child. And I, at age 35, still played the role of child. I left home to go to university, and there I met my wife-to-be, and she was completely different from me. I was shy and reserved. She was very outgoing and full of life, and we were attracted to one another. We've later talked and she suffered from the same feelings of insecurity and lack of self-esteem that I did, and she just had a different way of dealing with it. So here we were, two people, both looking for the other one to provide something that we couldn't provide in our own lives. And at that stage, um, alcohol started to play a role in our social life. and. It was good to us at that time. When we got married I was a graduate student and Margaret was teaching in an inner London school which is best described as a blackboard jungle. She was under a lot of stress and she used alcohol to deal with that stress at that time. And even though I thought she was drinking too much, I was the one who went out and bought her another bottle of sherry because I thought a new husband should provide everything that his wife needed and I really felt badly about that. Also at that time I used to make excuses for her for when she couldn't uh, go to work the next morning. I think our story is a little bit different because after that first year we moved away from London and I got a job. And alcohol didn't appear to be a problem for quite a few years, and it's only when I look back that I can see how the disease of alcoholism was still there and how it um, progressed. In 1981, we took a geographic cure before we knew had a problem, and arrived in um, in Edmonton, Alberta. And when Margaret tells her story she can tell you why her disease of alcoholism really progressed when she got to Canada. Amongst the reasons she gives are the weather (laughs) and the way the Canadians abuse the English language. At that time I started getting telephone calls from friends and they used to ask me if I knew how much Margaret was drinking and I didn't but I made it my business to find out thereafter and I became a, we played hide and seek with bottles and we were both very good at that and we've talked about this since and she only had one hiding place that I wasn't aware of I felt totally inadequate. I didn't know what to do about this problem. I knew what the problem was, but I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know who to talk to about it, and my main thoughts were, what could I do to make this better, and they were along the lines of what could I provide in terms of material things that would make this uh, situation better. I talked to a doctor. I talked to the minister at our church, and eventually I dragged Margaret to an information series at uh, one of our local treatment centers, and it was there that I first came across this organization called Al-Anon, and I have to confess that when I heard this lady talk about Al-Anon, all I heard was that she was living with an active alcoholic, and she loved this man. I didn't hear anything else about, I'm sure she must have said, if you're troubled by someone else's drinking you should go to an Alano meeting, but I didn't hear that. I was sitting there thinking this is her problem, and as soon as she gets it sorted out the better, and my life will be wonderful. A few months later, Margaret was going to go into uh, a treatment center and um, one day I was going through a purse which was my uh, one of the things I did to look after her (laughs) and in there I found a letter explaining that there was a family program that ran for three days during her treatment And I can't really figure out why she didn't want me to go there. But I think she saw or viewed this as if she was on trial and that the counsellors there were were going to put her on trial. And she was pretty sure that I was the uh, number one witness for the uh, prosecution. (laughs) And I realised that as well, so I was really keen to go. during that information series, there was an Al-Anon member from Vernon in B.C. who latched on to me. And at every coffee break, every lunchtime, whenever, she talked to me about Al-Anon. By the third day, I'd run out of excuses as to why I shouldn't go to Al-Anon. <laughs> I'm really grateful that She and my higher power realized that I needed a little more than just uh, to be told about Al-Anon. I know we say sometimes they know about Al-Anon, they know where to find us and they'll come when the time's right. I'm not sure whether I would, I was ready and I didn't want to come. I went to my first Al-Anon meeting in that institution. And there I made a decision that I would try the Al-Anon group. Uh, I knew where they met because uh, Margaret at this stage was going to AA and I knew they met in the same church. So on a Friday evening I went down the steps and uh, walked into a room with about 12 women in there. And I was just about to walk out because I said, is this just for women, you know. They welcomed me and I guess I started my spiritual journey. You told me about detachment. I know you said detachment with love. I couldn't detach with love. All I could do was detach with hate, but that that works as well. (laughs) You told me about a higher power that was uh, a loving God. Because I'd still brought my judging and punishing higher power with me. And it took probably two or three years for my higher power to really smarten up so that he became a loving God to me. I'd just like to say that I continued to go to church. And I was going to church simply to put something on the credit side of that scorecard that my higher power was keeping. (laughs) And I've been fortunate in that the spiritual growth that I've gained through the Al-Anon program has allowed me to change what I get out of my my church as well. And I get no end more out of church now. They seem to have improved a lot as well. (laughs) When I get back home, I'll be telling the minister about uh, this convention in this morning. And I'm sure that I'll remember to inquire about how many people he had in his congregation this morning. (laughs) I got into service very early on because I was still a people pleaser at the time when my group needed a group rep, and so I said yes for them. And once again, I was in the right place for the wrong reason. I found in service that uh, I better back up a bit. In my group, I was I was the only man for quite quite a long time, and I really like.